Okay, so we're looking at a little series, we're in the middle of a series called Called by God, and God calls us to certain things, and last week we talked about God calling us into um, to, to His love. He wants our, our first purpose in life is to be loved, not to do something, but to receive something, to receive His love. And so today we're kind of carrying that on, and we're going to talk about this idea that we're called to belong, and we're going to talk about that today, called to belong. Let's jump right in. Hebrews 2.10 says, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. And then this part is really amazing to me. He wanted to have many children share in his glory. Now, how do you share in somebody's glory? It's, a, it's a kind of an interesting idea. So the best, the best analogy of this I can remember is a couple of years ago, Super Bowl Sunday, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles won. I think it was Super Bowl 52. I don't know what Super Bowl we're on now. I think 54 this year. Is that right? I don't know. Happens in a couple of weeks. Anyway, Super Bowl 50, whatever it was, two, the Eagles win. They're about to have the, uh, the trophy presentation. Uh, important people, people that were part of the system, maybe you're the owner or you're the coach or you're the MVP, they all get to go up on this stage and receive the, um, the trophy for winning the championship. And there was a guy that tried to get up on stage, Kevin Hart, who was a comedian and, a, um, and an actor. And, and so he kind of, <laughs> he just kind of got in the queue and was trying to walk up the steps. And there was this big dude that made him not go up there. And it was kind of funny, I, I thought it was really funny, that the guy who had done nothing, I'm not sure he lives in Philadelphia, he just wanted to go on stage. And he wanted to share the glory, but he didn't get to. And then you sort of think about, okay, the other end of that is when, when a, a, let's say a quarterback wins the MVP and a lot of times they'll have their kids and they'll hold their kid and, and they'll, you know, that, that kid gets to bask in the glory of the moment because the child is part of the family. Kevin Hart, not part of the Eagles, not getting to share in the glory, but if you have a child and you win, your child also wins. And so, in Scripture, it talks about those of us who follow Jesus in these word pictures, in these metaphors, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. When we moved to Michigan many, many years ago, I have four daughters, and uh, our oldest three daughters were kind of going into crucial stages of, of schooling. And so, my oldest daughter, her name is Amaris. Uh, she was going, uh, we moved in the summer, so she was then going into the 10th grade, new school, 10th grade. Can you imagine, I mean, going from a freshman to a sophomore in a different school, so she was going into 10th grade. Mallory, our number two daughter, was going to go into 8th grade, last year middle school. Janelle was going to go into middle school, 6th grade. And the summer was okay, but the day before school starts, I walk into the, the kitchen, and my wife and those three girls were sitting around the kitchen table, and they were bawling. They were all just crying. And I'm a pretty sensitive cat, but I had no idea what they were crying about. Ladies, what were they crying about? You know. They wouldn't fit in. They wouldn't have some... Their comment to me was, we won't have anybody to sit with at lunch. They're crazy. I, I'm, I live with crazy people. They are nuts. And I didn't understand it. It's like, but for them, they needed people. And it's tough when you don't have people. And so it's really interesting to me that God talks about us being his people. God loves you dearly, and he has called you to be his very own people. We get to be God's people. 
We, we get to be that if we want to. He wants us to. He, we get to be a part of the family if we want to be a part of the family. It's an amazing, amazing thing. By the way, Elise, um, our, our fourth daughter, is now a freshman in high school, and she told me that uh, new kids are coming to school now, and, and the first thing I said to her was, are you making sure they have somebody to sit with at lunch, those new kids? Uh, unless they're boys, and then I don't care. Uh, so that was kind of my comment there. But, um, it, so maybe I'm a little more sensitive to it now. And when I look at verses like this that say, you know, hey, we get to be a part of God's family, that's, that's pretty cool. So let's look at, in, in Scripture there are, are basically five metaphors that they use, that the Bible uses to talk about uh, those of us who follow Jesus. We, we are these things. Let's talk about them. Number one is we're called a family. I've already used that language because it just makes sense. We're a family. In Ephesians it says, His unchanging plan from the very, very beginning, before you were ever born, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself. Somebody go knock on that door and tell them to be quiet. Uh, Bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. Our children's ministry is right on this side of the wall, and so they're having a good time over there. Uh, We never disturb them. It's kind of crazy. Okay. His unchanging plan always been to adopt us into the family. It's always been his notion for you to be a part of his family. And in God's family, I learned my identity. Because, really, our identity is tied a whole lot to our relationships. And family is about relationships. And so I got to thinking, you know, we, we as a family, you have roles and tasks and so at my family you know one of my tasks is to roll out the trash that's my job and uh, my family in my family one of my roles is to mow the yard we have certain roles and we do those roles and and it's it kind of helps me identify who I am I find my identity in my family I'm a father that's a language we use I'm a husband I'm a son to my mother this is the language that we use. First Timothy, I'm writing to you so you will know how to live in the family. The family is the church. And so over and over in Scripture, church is called a family. Now the, the word is ecclesia. And it's that's the Greek word, and it literally means to call out. To call out. And so there's the world, there's everybody, and we are called into the family. It's really kind of an important thing. A church isn't something you go to. It's, it's something you belong to. It's not brick and mortar. It's not carpet. It's not lights on the ceiling. This isn't church. Church is more than a building. In fact, our church for 10 years had no building. We were portable, so it's got to be more than a building. Our church has, was, was birthed out of not being a building. It, it's not a place that you go to. It's something you belong to, and it's really all, all, all about relationships. We, you know, we use identifiers. I'll wear, you know, if you wear uh, clothes that have logos on them or whatever, a lot of that is trying, you know, if you see a guy that has a Harley shirt on, you know, that he's probably into uh, motorcycles. That just makes sense. If you see, um, like my buddy Keith has a cowboy shirt on, he's into losing. Uh, and so, because uh, uh, we never win, and I'm a cowboy fan, we just can't win. Um, so, you kind of know, and I wear my Kentucky gear because even though we're horrible this year, uh, 
Um, I'm still from Kentucky, and I want people to identify me with that. And so we wear these labels because we want people to identify us. A lot of, we, we label people. External stuff. Well, you know, they're tall or they're short or they're skinny or they're fluffy. You know, they're they're this or they're that. We 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 can identify people, and we do. But the great identifier for us is we who follow Jesus get to be part of His family. Now, here's what's what's really cool about this: being part of this family is the most important family you'll ever be a part of, because even though I'm a part of a family on this earth, I know that family is, families just don't last. People die, people get divorced, people leave. It, uh, this family's fragile. My earthly family, my heavenly family, however, not so much. We, we see it all the time. When, when somebody like my mother was married nearly 50 years, they were, my mom and dad were about to celebrate their 50th anniversary when my dad died. And it took her a long time to figure out who she was after my dad was di- after my dad died, because she had been a wife for almost fifty years. That was who she was. We we see it when people get divorced; they kind of don't know uh, who they are. Sometimes it's like this is tough. It's tough for us. It, it, you could be you can identify with your job, and if you're laid off from your job, now all of a sudden you got to kind of figure out who you are. And so when we're called in Scripture as part of the family, it's the most significant family you'll ever be a part of. Look at this text. You are members of God's very own family. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. We all get to be a part of that family that lasts forever if we want to be. God wants us to be. Remember a minute ago it said for for, for all eternity. That's been his plan for us. In Hebrews it says this, Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why Jesus isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. I mean, I think that's amazing. That Jesus is proud of us who are his brothers and sisters. Now, I've done things that would, I would think, probably make him not proud. I know that's true. And even in the midst of, look, I don't know about y'all, um, I've got two sisters and they're, they're delightful. And they've always been pretty good. And I've never felt like not claiming them. Uh, they've not always felt the same about their brother. But I've always felt really good about them, you know. But I know there are families not like that. I, I know that. There are people in your family, you know, what's the language, the black sheep of the family? We all have them. Um, we've got black sheep in my family. In fact, uh, we're from Kentucky. We, we have black herds. Uh, you know, we got lots of them. They're everywhere. Um, I got cousins that do stuff, you know, uh, um, <laughs> it, 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 uh, just lots of things. Um, I've, I can't even, I don't want to tell you because uh, I'm not proud. That's kind of the point. Isn't it? Uh, even people that are just a little bit off <laughs> can be part of the family. Little people, people that are just a little bit nuts, you know. Um, one time I was in Michigan, we lived there for a while, and um, I was visiting the jail, and I was visiting the jail, it's really important, that's a very important uh, uh, detail of this story, and to get from the parking lot to the jail, you had to, uh, you had to cross the street in a crosswalk, and in the crosswalk, facing the cars, was a sign that said, stop, and so pedestrians had the right of way, and I was about to step into the crosswalk, and a pickup truck came up the road, blowing his horn at me, and zipped right through. 
well, it, that's a little bit annoying, but I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I, I kind of was, I backed up a little bit. The girl behind me said, I'd have gone on out in there. <laughs> Typically, I'd let that go, but I, I turned around and I said, what? I'd, I'd have just stepped right out. And I said, well, if you step in front of a truck and it doesn't stop, you don't win that. That's really, that's not winnable. I'd sue, then I'd just sue. Like, well, how would you sue? You're uh, from a body bag? I mean, uh, you know, your, your cousin might get some money out of it. But you're, and it was, we had this protracted conversation, which was basically, I'd have just gone on out in there. It's like, okay, every family has people that don't make sense. Just, you know, have you ever been to a reunion? And it's like, okay, the family of God is, is big, and he wants... God's plan, God's desire, is to welcome as many people into the family as possible. Even people that would walk in front of a moving pickup truck. You know, I got to think, man, that's really kind of the dumbest thing I've heard in a while. But God even thinks you should be in the family. So the first metaphor is family. The second one is the church is a temple. Uh, The church is a temple. Um, I like to do stuff around the house and and work on building things and that kind of thing. You know, a a building has thousands of parts, tens of thousands of parts, and they all have to connect or they don't function properly. If you have a truss and and the the beam doesn't quite meet and it's supposed to carry a load, it just won't work because it breaks. It, It has to be connected to work if you have a water line and it's supposed to connect to a water line but it's a little bit too long and you don't get it connected, then water gets everywhere. It, it's got to connect. When it talks about being a temple, it's talking about connection. It's really important. Don't you realize that all of you, are, you who follow Christ together are the temple of God and His Spirit lives in you and we're to connect to one another. Thousands of parts, thousands of difference of us, we are supposed to connect together. We were renovating a house in Michigan, and we had gutted the kitchen, and there was a a gas line, and the gas line had a cap on it, and I needed it to have a connection where I could hook something up to it. And I know you're supposed to call the gas company to come and uh, uh, turn off the gas. That's for chumps. Really, I didn't have time for all that. So I decided I was going to unscrew that little cap and put the other piece on. How hard could that be? Uh, so I unscrewed the cap. By the way, uh, gas really does smell like rotten eggs. It's really important. And it'll make you a little woozy. Uh, um, but I got, it, I got it fixed. I made Miriam put out her cig before we started. So it was all fine. It was good. No problems. No worries. The part fit together. That's the whole point. You have to get the parts to fit together. And here's the thing about being a part of a temple. This language. I'm supported by others. We support one another. You've heard that song, We All Need Somebody to Lean On? That's really good theology. It really is. In Ephesians it says, In Christ the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Jesus, you who are being built together become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. You all know what these are, right? Do you? Legos. Hey, who said that? Good. Good on you. Right on. All right. Legos. What is the function of a Lego? It, you connect. They're built to connect, right? That's, that's what they're there for. 
I, I tried like one of these a minute ago. I don't think it fits. Oh, it does. They connect. It all connects. Big, little, small. It, it's built. They're made to connect. Just like we are made to connect. So I was thinking about this illustration. I'm like, okay, let me see if I can find some really cool Lego stuff to show you pictures of. I found a bunch of them. I'm not going to show you a bunch. I'm just going to show you one. This is a a Lego um, cathedral. The inside of a Lego cathedral. Isn't that awesome? He calls it Lego My Church, uh, which is awesome. Um, I just think that's great. We were designed to connect with one another. In Romans it says this, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me. My faith will help you. We're designed to connect to one another, to help one another. You know, interestingly enough, one of the biggest problems in this pandemic is loneliness. Let me, let me read a, a headline for you, or a, a, a stat. The CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, reports that one, you're, you're going to be shocked, one in four young adults has struggled with suicidal thoughts since the pandemic hit, one in four. Uh, a BYU study was done, and they call this a loneliness epidemic. You think about, we, we think the virus is going to kill people, and it does kill people sometimes. Loneliness kills people too. It's not, the virus isn't the only problem with all of this. And when folks go into the hospital and they're lonely, I mean, it. And alone, and I understand the restrictions. I get all that. It's just so tough for folks. We, we need each other. I'm an introvert by nature. And I'll say that to people. And they're like, no, you're not. Look, I like people. I really do. But people drain me. And so, just so you know, you're killing me today. I just want you to know that. Um, no, as an introvert, though, um, people stuff... It, it takes energy out of you. If you're an extrovert, being around people just in, kind of energizes you. It's not so much for me. And so I like people, but I also, I'm okay just being alone, and I like being alone. And, and sometimes it's enough for me to know that Miriam is in the house. I don't really want to have interaction. I just want her around. I like to know that somebody's around. Because we all need people. We need interaction. I couldn't tell you how happy I was when we got to be not on, just online and got to be back together again. I, I don't like it when we can't be together. I like to see your faces. I, I like to look into your eyes. I, I like it when we have this chance to interact and to talk. And this is why it's so important for us to be together. So, um, I learned my identity as part of God's family and I learned my, uh, my support. I get support in God's temple, the third or a third metaphor that is used, the church is a body. Now, you who follow Christ are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Variety. I mean, think about the variety we have even in this room. There's more variety here than the cereal section at Walmart. Uh, we, there's a lot of differences among us. We are uh, different shapes and sizes, and uh, we're all important. That's what's that's what's uh, that's why I like this metaphor so much. Is because we're all important. If you're working a jigsaw puzzle, which puzzle piece is important? They all are important. Every puzzle piece is important. That's the whole point. And we all belong to each other, and we all function together. I was playing basketball one time, and I jammed my thumb. 
Do you, do you know what a thumb is good for? Everything. Yes, everything. You can't hardly brush your teeth without your thumb functioning. You can't zip your zipper, really important, uh, with your thumb not working well. You, it's hard to eat when you don't have your thumb working well. I mean, it was amazing to me how much I didn't notice my thumb until I didn't have use of my thumb. When uh, we had a church, when my, my church in Michigan was a little bigger than this, we had a bigger room, and we had chairs down, and every Sunday after the service, we would ask for volunteers, and we would stack the chairs and move them to the sides of the building. So we'd stack them and move them. And it took not a lot of time, because there was a lot of us to do it, but about 500 chairs, by the way, so it was a pretty big deal. Then you have to put them back down. Every week, you'd have to put them back down. So somebody on Thursday, so we opened the building up, we opened the room up so the youth could use it on Wednesday, and then on Thursday somebody had to come, or between uh, Wednesday and um, the end of Wednesday and Sunday, somebody had to come put the chairs down. So we had a guy that would do that, his name was Don, and actually he came to us because he had to do community service. He had done something wrong, the judge sentenced him to community service, Don showed up on our doorstep and said, can I, can I work out my community service with you guys? And we tried to find him some tasks, and he wasn't good at this, and he wasn't good at this, but he was great at putting the chairs down. He, he was awesome. And he would come in like clockwork on Thursday. He never missed a Thursday. We never had to worry about him. He, he came on Thursday. He was meticulous. He had marks on the floor. He had a little stick to make sure they were the right distance apart. He was, he was the best. And then uh, we had a certain amount of community hours, and it was a lot, by the way. But then uh, we were about at the end of that, and we were trying to figure out how to get him into more trouble uh, because we really didn't want to lose him. You know, he was great. So kind of narc on him, you know, kind of set him up. And it was almost at the end of his time, and he came to me and he said, Pastor, would you mind if I just kept doing this? Like, okay. You know, it's like, okay, I'll let you do it. Uh, he, he found his niche. Chairs aren't important unless you want to sit down. You know, sometimes we think what I do is not important. Well, that wasn't important unless you wanted to have a seat, unless you didn't want to sit on the floor. Everything is important. And so right now we have people working with our kids on this side of the building. It's important. My daughter and Miriam work over there. Others, people work over there. They love it because they get these little stories. They, they work with like um, two-year-olds to five-year-olds. And every Sunday they come in and tell me stories of something those little kids have said. It's super cute. It's important. We have people watching babies in, in the nursery back here, and that's important. And we have people running slides, and we have people running the sound, and we have people doing things and giving you coffee. Everything is important. It's interesting to me that in Christ's body I discover my value. Because everything is valuable. It's all really, really important. Look at this text. Just as there are many parts in our body, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it. And it takes every one of us, each one of us, to make it complete. For we each have different work to do. We belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. It's a super cool text. This is a dime, by the way. These are the three smallest bones in your body. They're found in your inner ear. I'll give you, I'll try to give you the technical terms. Uh, the malleus, the incus, and the stapes, also known as the anvil, the hammer, and um, something else. Anvil, hammer, 
Stirrup. Yeah, I was testing you. Good job. Okay, great. Great. Right on. They're tiny little bones. You're never going to see them, hopefully. I mean, I'm never going to see my inner ear. I, I hope I never see that. That would be really bad if I did. These are tiny little bones in an obscure place, and if you don't have them functioning properly, you can't hear hardly anything. See, we think only the preacher is important. Well, good grief. That's not even, that's not even close to being true. I, I'm out front, and I, I do things that maybe other people can't do, but my word, these little bones, every little thing, that, every task that's little is important. There's no insignificant parts to this body that we have. And each one of us has a sphere of influence. And sometimes you serve the church just by showing up. How many times have we invited somebody, and the only thing you need to do is be there? for them. Just show up. Sometimes it's an encouragement. You come into a room and there are people here and it's like, oh, this is, there's life. Just show up. (laughs) It's really good for other people. And and we talked about that loneliness thing just a second ago. Maybe somebody came to church today that just needs you to say something to them. And you're here and God has appointed that, that conversation and you just engage somebody in a word. You just talk to them a little bit might be just exactly what they need. You don't know what they need, but God knows what they need. Sometimes you just show up. A fourth metaphor. He calls us a flock, like sheep or seagulls. Um, that's funny. Does anybody get that? Flock of seagulls. Anybody get that? Anybody old enough to get that? I think that's really funny. The flock of seagulls had a one-hit wonder uh, in the 80s called And I Ran. Oh, it's great. You should, you should look that up. And you need to see the flock of seagulls here. Anyway, let's go on. Um, God made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And you're thinking, sheep? I'm not sure I want to be a sheep. Because, you know, honestly, sheep are kind of unattractive and uh, not incredibly bright. One summer, I had the task of collecting wool that had been sheared from sheep. Sheep kind of don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. You have to kind of guide them. You have to protect them. Sheep have no natural defenses. They're really, they're needy. Sheep are needy, which may be why the 23rd Psalm resonates with us so much, because it talks about God's care for his people, his sheep. When it says, the Lord is my shepherd, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's somebody who's taking care of me. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, I have all that I need. And it's good to have all that you need. And it's great that somebody's taking care of us. And then it talks about what our shepherd does for us. Well, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I'll be not afraid. I'll not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me, comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. The the language has blessed people for millennia. David wrote this as a young man, and he had been a shepherd, and he saw that God was doing for him what he did for his sheep. He, he, he takes care of us. So when you see language around, uh, we are his flock, it is a, it's, a, it's a sweet term of endearment. Jesus put it this way, 
I'm the good shepherd, and a good shepherd, slay, a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In God's flock, I'm protected. I'm protected. I'm cared for. The, the Bible talks about that, not just that God takes care of us, but also that we help each other. In fact, there are 58 times in Scripture where it says, do something for one another. It talks about, you know, care for one another, love one another, help one another, support one another. Let me show you a couple of them. Carry each other's burdens. Carry the burdens for one another. And in this way, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. Encourage each other and give each other strength. We're to do all of these things. We carry each other's burdens. We help each other. We look out for one another. The, the real question that we have to ask ourselves, actually there are two, who is looking out for you and who are you looking out for? Because if we're part of the flock, then we help one another. One of the beautiful things about church, one of the beautiful things about this church is when folks are sick, we were uh, at least uh, contracted COVID back in August and we were all quarantined and, and people brought us food and I know other people have had illness and people have brought them food and, and when folks uh, die, we bring you food. Basically, we think food fixes everything, evidently, and, and so we'll bring you food and we'll call you and we'll make sure you're okay. And it's really important because knowing that somebody cares about you Really important. One last one. The church is a vineyard. Jesus said, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. So if I want to be productive, I have to stay connected to the tree, to the vine in this case. I, I can't be productive apart from the vine. And so when I'm in God's vineyard, part of God's vineyard, that means I can figure out how to be productive. I don't know if you know this, but preaching, as a preacher, I mean, I like my job and I like to present and I like to do the study and I like to talk, but I don't always know if it's effective or not. I just, it's kind of hard. You, there's not immediate gratification. Like, I, I like hobbies where I can see that what I just did amounted to something. And so if I mow a yard, when I'm done mowing the yard, I can look back at the yard and go, oh, that looks pretty good, or I didn't do a good job. But at least I know what's happened. Preaching's not like that. And so I, all of us sort of have this need internally, deep within us, to be productive. That's why it doesn't make sense for people who choose you know, not to be productive. Because I think innately, that's something that we all want to do. We, we all want to, to create and, and make something of ourselves. And so in Christ, when we become part of the family and the temple and the flock, when we become that, we, we're also part of this vineyard. We, we have this chance to be productive, something we all long for. So the five basic needs of our lives we see in all these metaphors as part of a family I find my identity. And as part of a temple, I get support. As part of a body, I discover my unique calling, my unique value. As part of the flock, I receive and I give care. As part of the vineyard, I produce. And one last verse. Glory belongs to God. Remember a minute ago, God said that He wants to share His glory. It belongs to God in the church and in Christ Jesus. Two things bring God glory Show God's glory. Reflect God's glory. 
his son and his church. He, he said that this is part of who we get to be. We get to be a part of this family, this flock, this temple, this building. We get to be a part of the vineyard. We get to be part of the team. We, we get to be part of it. Let me end with a story. There's a guy named um, Randy Johnson, and he talks about uh, he had a big family. He grew up in a big family. He, he had four, uh, I'm sorry, five sisters and six brothers, so there's lots of them. And they were looking at family pictures one Christmas, and they noticed that throughout their years, they all had the same outfit on. Their, their mom dressed them the same. And so they asked their mother, Mom, why did you dress us alike? And she said, well, honestly, when there were four of you, we wanted to make sure we got the right ones. And when there were more than eight of you, we wanted to make sure we didn't take anybody home that wasn't ours. And so uh, we, it was sort of, there was strategy behind that. Well, here's what you need to know. God wants you to be a part of his family. He's not going to dress us all alike because he, he doesn't care who gets to come home with you. He, he wants you to be a part. It, it's one of the, it's perhaps the most important thing you'll ever figure out. Too, too many times people think, I've done too much, I've, I've gone too far, I've, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. What does that mean? I got four daughters. Christmas used to be us, Miriam and me, and our four daughters. Six of us. It was great. Now I've got four daughters and two sons-in-laws. And this Christmas, it was four daughters, Miriam and me, two sons-in-laws. And... One of my son-in-law is the only, only child, and so his parents come, and they're part of us. We like that. God is like that. He, he wants the family to go from this to this to this to this. He, he wants us in the family. He wants you in the family. If you've never felt worthy or able... Um, that, that's not good thinking. As uh, Dr. Phil would say, that's stinking thinking. The Lord is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come into the family. He wants everyone in the family. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, if you've never said, hey, I want to be in the family, you should do that. You really should do that. Because nothing would make him happier than for you to be in the family. You might say, I don't have anything to offer. You don't know what you have to offer. You don't know that. It doesn't matter. He wants all of us to be a part of the family. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this good word today. It is encouraging to know that we're never so far away, we've never done so much that we can't come to you. I pray, God, that you might draw us unto yourself. Thank you for these beautiful pictures. We're part of a family, we're part of a temple, we're part of a flock. To be part of the vineyard. I mean, you, you paint these pictures for us that let us know that these are things that kind of describe what we are in you. Thank you for that. 
And Lord, as we close today, I pray, God, that you would draw people into yourself. Maybe folks who never sort of thought they were able to come or welcome. Lord, if nothing else, I pray that everyone who walks out today knows they're welcome in the family. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.